So you were there. You were there. Probably during my lifetime saw over 130 state basketball championship games. This would have to be the most dramatic one I ever saw. Turn to you, Juju, during the timeout, and I said, This game is not over. Just seemed like the Smith Center was very alive. At 15, 16 years old, and you get to play in the Smith Center for the championship game was pretty cool. They had a team that would, where they should have won it. They should have won it, but I mean, they just ran into a team of destiny. a Saturday night in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, on the campus of the University of North Carolina. I'm Dave in the morning, along with Juju Phillips, and we're glad you're with us tonight. Hi, this is Wes Durham, and you're listening to 123 Wildcats. Welcome back to 123 Wildcats. This is what you've all been waiting for, right? The episode about the state championship game, March 22nd, 1997, between Hickory and East Chapel Hill. I'm not going to do too much play-by-play, but I will give some highlights of each quarter. It will not exactly be a linear recap, but I will try to structure it like a game. Maybe we'll have some media timeouts. We will definitely have a halftime break. It won't be exactly at the episode midpoint, but we'll talk about last week's trivia question discuss some radio and print media minutiae, let you know some of the stats. And of course, there's always the much-anticipated executive producer shout-out. Now, where's, uh, where's Fitzgerald at now? This is episode 10. It's the last official episode. It's 10 and the bonus so we will have a bonus episode coming next, which is Encore. Episode 10. Let's get to it. State championship game. Arriving at the Smith Center. What was that like for you guys? I, I remember one of the coolest things. So a lot of us, we sold concessions at a lot of Smith Center games. And we were raising money for our AAU team. Um, so I had been there tons of times, but never underneath the stadium. You don't realize how massive it is until you're there. And it's, I remember being overwhelmed by, you know, you got these huge corridors, these big, long hallways, beautiful locker rooms, you know. And then when you come out on the court, you know, there's fans everywhere. You know, it's just kind of like all eyes on you. And it's kind of like this big moment just as a player. Bright lights. That's awesome. That, that's an awesome moment. That was Brad Woolley talking about the team's arrival at the Smith Center. I have memories of the players and their awe in wandering around those wide corridors. In fact, many memories of that day stick with me, and not just because I've had a video refresher several times over the years. For me, the job at the Durham Herald Sun that I started in January 1997 was really my first full-time writing job. I had worked at the Winston-Salem Journal, the Wilmington Star News, and had had an internship at the Virginian Pilot in Norfolk, Virginia, right out of college. All of those jobs had some work on the desk, which meant editing, headline writing, that kind of stuff, reading other people's writing. 
Now, in Wilmington, I got to cover some great stories. And near the end of my time in Winston-Salem, I was able to write high school sports two days a week and work the desk three days a week. I once chose to go to a high school football game on my birthday, which probably most people can't understand. But that gives you a little insight into kind of why I was so excited about this job in Durham. I was going to be out and about talking to people, talking to athletes, writing stories five days a week. The state championship game, about two months into my tenure, meant a lot to me. I knew it was going to be a fun day. I was going to get to cover a big, important game in the Smith Center. The way the game ended has, of course, made it more special. For the jump that starts this 3A state championship game here in Chapel Hill, are you ready? We are. The ball is in the air. Hickory gets the tap, and out come the Red Tornadoes. Here are some box score related facts about the game. Hickory's biggest lead was seven points in the first half. East Chapel Hill had an eight point lead in the second half. It was tightly contested pretty much throughout. The game had six ties and seven lead changes. I'm just gonna say that the statistician that night was quite stingy with assists. Andy Jones was credited with three. He certainly had more than three assists in the game. There is indisputable video evidence of that. The same with Eric Henderson. Eric Henderson made a pass for a basket in plain sight to start the fourth quarter, and he's not credited with an assist. Let's just say the teams played a lot better basketball than to have had eight assists versus 25 turnovers. It was a high-level game, and what happens when guys are making shots and both teams are playing extremely hard, and it kind of eliminates the officiating. It kind of doesn't bring it to the forefront. I mean, they make mistakes too. They're human just like the players on the court. But I think the game was such a high level that the officials kind of were not a factor. That was Hickory's Daniel Willis. In episode nine, you got to learn more about Willis and the Hickory Red Tornadoes, who had good reason to come into the game confident. East Chapel Hill really didn't know what to expect. They had been confident based on the season they had, but Really, truly, what did those guys know? As assistant coach Toby Lucas said when I asked him, what did you know about them? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. We just knew they came through the West. They knew a little bit more than nothing. But really, how could they know how to compare themselves until they got out on the court? Hickory's biggest lead was 24-17 in the second quarter. The Red Tornadoes led 31-30 at halftime. Brad Woolley missed his first four shots but he made four of his final five. Daniel Willis made his first shot, a three-pointer, maybe about 10 seconds into the game, and then made just one of five shots the rest of the half. He would go on to have a big second half, scoring 18 of his 24 after halftime. He also finished with 10 rebounds. In the third quarter, East Chapel Hill stormed back pretty quickly to take a lead. They went on an 8-0 run to start the half and led 38-31. Willis got them back a little closer, and at the end of the third quarter, East Chapel Hill led 47-43. Coach Hartsfield's done a great job for a long, long time, and uh, I got to visit with him this year. I stopped by recruiting, and he still talks about that game, and he says, you know, y'all wouldn't have been in the game had it been wasn't for me, and I didn't look at it that way. We should have won the game if I'd have made one or two free throws, but he vividly remembers saying, hey, 
we would have blown y'all out had you not made a run at us. So I've kind of taken that as a positive here in the in the last year or two. With just under six minutes left, East Chapel Hill took its largest lead of the game, eight points. On a play I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, Andy Jones's steal of Daniel Willis, and then a pass ahead to Brad Woolley for a dunk. 53-45, East Chapel Hill. James will pass it back outside, comes to Flowers. Flowers to Daniel Willis in the lane, fakes, gets it stripped away, gets it back, gets it stripped away, loses it again. Down court, quick pass. It's the Woolley, he stuffs it. He stuffs it, the crowd comes alive. It's 53-4. I do, I do remember dunking that basketball, and I remember coming down. It's just kind of like the place is erupting. It's probably as loud of a, you know, an atmosphere I've ever been in. Now, the voice you heard calling that dunk is that of Dave Lingefelt. Dave Lingefelt and Juju Phillips called the game for WNNC in Catawba County. I have earlier referred to the station in other episodes as WHKY. That was apparently incorrect, so I apologize for the error. Either way, the game was on the radio. We got the audio copies from Juju Phillips on cassette tape. And again, we are thankful for not only letting us hear the broadcast and use it, but also that it was such a good broadcast. We wouldn't have used as much as we have if it wasn't such a strong broadcast. Now that dunk was one of the game's few fast-break baskets. Most of the 32 minutes were played in the half court, and in that half court setting, while Chris Hobbs didn't score a lot for East Chapel Hill, he was a very important player in the middle. He had the Wildcats' first field goals of the first half and the second half, and then only four points the rest of the game, but his defense against Ty Hunt was vital. Hunt averaged 16 points a game, but in the state final, he had one field goal, three points and three rebounds. You know, I was always kind of that, that Charles Barkley, you know, and they're always, you know, grabbing the board and, you know, get blocked. I'm coming right back into your chest. That was kind of always my, my claim to fame. And I, you know, that's, and that's what I didn't do uh, in that, in that game, my senior year against Chris, you know, that I felt like I, I should have done more. I should have, I should have went more into him, into his chest, you know, and just, you know, made him foul me, make, you know, make, get him in foul trouble, you know, and maybe uh see a, see a bucket or two, you know, fall. And a lot of times I saw it take, you know, for a basketball play. You know, you see when you see a, a shot or two start to fall, you know, okay, I, I know where I need to go now. I know where I need to be at. And um, I just, I just, it, it didn't happen. Ty Hunt right now having problems inside Dave. Chris Hobbs, the big freshman, six foot six, playing awfully well defensively. He kind of bottled him up inside. So Daniel took over in the second half. He rebounded. He uh, assisted. He made all the clutch shots. And got him ahead, and they had a couple of chances to seal the game. After that dunk, the crowd definitely got into the game, even those from rival Chapel Hill High. Here's Ed Gear, a player for the Tigers. So he got that hard dunk, and then the fans, of course, being in Chapel Hill, they started saying, East side, East side, ooh, 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 East side, East side, ooh, ooh, ooh. East side. So I just went along with the chant, too. And even when I was with the Chapel Hill, I mean, it was a good feeling. Hickory did not take a timeout after that play, and Daniel Willis led them back into the game. Yeah, Hickory was down eight points, Dave, in the final five minutes, and Daniel saved an errant pass that would have put Hickory down ten. He got the team back in. They took the lead. 
He went on a tear, making two three-pointers, getting a steal. And suddenly that eight-point East Chapel Hill lead was turned into a four-point lead for Hickory. 59-55 with 58 seconds left. East Chapel Hill advanced the ball quickly up the court, and Andy Jones, on the left side, shot a quick three-pointer. The shot hit the rim, bounded to the other side of the lane, hitting the hands of Fitzgerald and Hickory's Jamel Patterson. Referee Mark Schnur says it's East Chapel Hill's ball. The Wildcats take a timeout with 49.5 seconds left. Down four, they end up getting a shot on the right wing, also for Andy Jones. The three-pointer is missed, but Kindem, who had been guarded by Willis, gets the rebound and scores on about a five-footer with 41 seconds left, 59-57 Hickory. The rebound and, and put back sort of got us back into the game. Hickory's Patterson then inbounds to Willis in the corner. He's double-teamed by Jones and Kindem, and Kindem is called for a foul, his fourth. So they fouled Willis. It's a one-and-one one with 33 seconds to go. Daniel Willis is an 84% free throw shooter. He misses the free throw, back iron. The rebound comes high. Andy Jones leaps and snatches it away from a crowd of players. It's interesting that he was in the lane rebounding this one. There's a reason I said that. I'll get to it in just a sec. The Wildcats advance the ball and get it to Kindem. He gets it at the top of the key with probably about 15 seconds left. Makes a quick move, one dribble, and shoots a 17-footer online but a little long we were down and you know we did an iso play with me at the top which we would do sometimes late in games now their best defender was guarding me at the time and he did a pretty good job i got the shot off and missed it daniel willis rebounds it and then gets fouled he is swarmed by a few east chapel hill players and chris hobbs is called for the foul there's 8.8 seconds left 59-57 Hickory. Willis again misses the free throw. Fitzgerald gets the rebound right off the front iron. Timeout East Chapel Hill. Eight seconds left. Now on that free throw, I mentioned on the previous one, Andy Jones got the rebound. On that second free throw with 8.8 to go, Andy Jones is not along the lane. He is out near half court, has his back turned to Willis, the shooter, and is talking to the ref. Hobbs and Fitzgerald both get into the lane to to box out, as they should. Kindem and Woolley, and I paused the screen to make sure I had this right, Kindem and Woolley just kind of stand there for a little bit. I wonder if they somehow thought it was two shots. Either way, Daniel Willis was not boxed out on that second free throw, so if it comes long again, there's a chance Daniel Willis gets that rebound. But it came short, Fitzgerald grabbed it, East Chapel Hill called timeout to set up their last play. To me, there's only one surprise about the names I'm going to tell you for who was on the court for that last eight seconds. For Hickory, leading scorer and probably strongest player, Ty Hunt, was not on the court for the end of the game. Hickory's lineup was William James, Jamel Patterson, Daniel Willis, Menyel Flowers, and Will Johnson. East Chapel Hill had its starting lineup on the floor. Andy Jones, Paul Kindem, Brad Woolley, Brian Fitzgerald, and Chris Hobbs. The final eight seconds of the game is something I've asked pretty much everyone I've interviewed for this podcast to discuss, assuming they were they were there that night. I counted it up, 
and I talked to 27 different people who were at the game. That includes people on the court. That includes people working in official capacities, sports writers, coaches, bench players. So we have a lot of perspectives on how this last play unfolds. We're going to kind of present it to you in groups. You're going to hear from the referees, two of the three referees, Mark Schnur and Nate Walker. Those two were refing with Dave Davis that night. It was Mark Schnur's first state championship game. He and Walker, not surprisingly, haven't forgotten many of the details that night. You'll also get the perspective of the Hickory side. You'll get the perspective of fans in the stands, media covering the game, NCHSAA officials. You'll get the perspective of the East Chapel Hill bench and, of course, the players on the court. That's all coming up after halftime. Thank you to so many of you who have followed this story, who have engaged with us in numerous ways, answered our trivia questions. I've sent a few PDFs to people. Uh, I wasn't lying about those being prizes. Some people tried to guess twice in a row, and you should only get one guess. B. Fitz is, of course, not eligible as he's, uh, you know, he's on the payroll. Well, not really on the payroll, but he's close to the program. So I disallowed some of his answers. But man, I'm so glad I didn't disallow his involvement in this podcast. It really was just going to be me. I was going to put a, you know, a song at the front, a song at the end, maybe a, a YouTube clip transition here and there. And it was just going to be me talking about basketball with the key figures in that game. He has helped make it so much more. No amount of recorded shout outs on these episodes can fully express how thankful I am for all he's done. We hope you've enjoyed this immersive experience I know he's tried to create. The soundtrack, special effects, the clean editing, creative intros and outros, and musical breaks. That has B. Fitz's fingerprints all over it. There's a saying in journalism, everyone needs an editor, and I am no different. So thank you, Brian. Maybe another Spotify mention will do the trick. You know, Carolina Flashback by Agent Fitz. Check it out and check out more of his creative work at agentfitz.com. Trivia. Last week's trivia question. Who was East Chapel Hill's first NCHSAA champion? Now that may sound like a trick question. And Brian Fitzgerald, in talking to me about it, said it was us. Brian was kind of right. The Wildcats in boys basketball were East Chapel Hill's first NCHSAA team champion. About five weeks earlier, Sarah Allen in the 100 Butterfly became East Chapel Hill's first state champion. That's, of course, in the sport of swimming. Sarah Allen won the 100 Fly on Valentine's Day, 1997. She went on to be a college swimmer at Texas she is the answer to the trivia question. The Herald Sun plan that night. First, remember, this was a print operation only in 1997. The Herald Sun did not have news content on its website until the year 2000. The lineup for the next day's paper. Freelance writer Bruce Margulies would write the main game story. 
that game story started on the sports front, along with photos from Walt Unks. My colleague Lee Montgomery wrote an opinion piece, a column from the game. In something of an upset, he wrote about Andy Jones. I wrote a minute-by-minute account of East Chapel Hill's day, starting with arrival at their gym in mid-afternoon. I pitched that angle to my sports editor, Jimmy Dupree, as a way to get a little more behind-the-scenes information. It was no amazing piece of journalism, but it worked that day. It was helped by the fact that Coach Hartsfield gave me access. I went with the team to its pregame meal at Golden Corral. I rode on the bus then from Golden Corral to the Smith Center, and I was in the locker room hearing what Coach Hartsfield had to say to the team before it took the court. It was thousands of words long, certainly too long, and definitely longer than Jimmy envisioned, but he made it work. Nate Walker is now the Metrolina Officials Association Supervisor. That's the region for basketball officials in North Carolina in the Charlotte area. He's been refing games since 1987. He still refs games on multiple levels. His supervisory role takes him away from high school games in North Carolina, but he refs women's college games, AAU games, you name it. So his career spans, let's do the math here, 33, almost 34 years of officiating. Yet still he has vivid memories of March 22nd, 1997. I tell the story to uh, up-and-coming officials, you know, how the game was on the line. We talked as officials what we would expect. Let's anticipate what we're going to be refereeing in these last few seconds. And we all said, well, they haven't been able to stop Hobbs in the middle. Mark Schnur is now a college ref. The bulk of his 1,500 games officiated, that's his estimate, have come in college. But he does remember that game between Hickory and East Chapel Hill. He said he was honored to be part of the podcast and to be able to talk about a game that meant so much to him. It was his first state championship. It turned out to be his only state championship. Up to that point, you know, the the best game I'd ever done. And, you know, I'd rank it up there with a bunch of them just because of time of my career and the, uh, the opportunity to referee a state championship. I was a young referee experience-wise and, and just the way the, the game broke at the end. And uh, it was just a, an amazing experience. I'll never forget it. They inbounded it in the backcourt. Nate Walker was at trail, inbounded the ball. My partner, Dave Davis, was at slot, or we called the center official. He was bench side. And the ball came up opposite the benches in the Dean Dome. And I was lead. You know, they were down two. So, you know, they're either going to drive to the basket and try to get fouled or make a layup or in this case obviously uh i think the kid's name was jones (laughs) i do remember that jones uh pulled up on the uh, left side of the key fairly far out and so i'm out top andy jones is dribbling and i'm looking at the clock waiting for him to pass the ball in the middle so he's out dribbling and i'm like you know what this guy is not going to pass the ball I just remember clock winding down, Andy doesn't pass it, he lets it fly. I do remember watching Jones rise up and shoot a three. And it, In my head, I could just see just the, the revolution of the ball. 
it's just like everything slowed down. And from my standpoint, it looked like it was going in. My partner, Nate Walker, he had a good view from behind Jones, and he said, man, that thing's going to go in. He said, all I saw was Rotation Wilson, Rotation Wilson, Rotation Wilson, and then thump, <laughs> it went in. <laughs> The crowd erupted. They were at home in Chapel Hill, first year of school. And as a crew, you know, we just walked toward the end of the floor and we just stood there. And we watched the celebration and we just said to ourselves, you know, hey man, this is what this is what high school basketball is about. This is what it's all about right here. Kids won it, it was a big win, it's an upset. We talk about it now if we talk to each other. I mean, it was just a memorable moment for us as a crew to be involved in that kind of game. Obviously, the Wildcats bench was tense as it emerged from the huddle, that final timeout huddle, and watched the play unfold. They were just hoping for at least two points to tie the game and send it into overtime. For East Chapel Hill, the play was for Andy Jones to inbound the ball. He was looking deep first. Remember, he's a football quarterback, but Hickory kept several guys back, and so Paul Kingdom on the left and Brad Woolley on the right were not open. Well, I remember in the timeout, Coach drew up a play to go inside to Chris, which was the obvious choice. I think it was eight seconds left. We had designed it. We're going to come down. We see Chris, and we can see his numbers. Give him the ball. I was sitting on the bench for those last eight seconds as Andy was coming down. And I remember thinking, it's not saying, like, Andy, go for two. Tie it up. Once he crossed half court, I said, Coach, he's not going to pass. He brought it up court, didn't have a good entry pass. He was 22 feet out. And Andy danced with the ball a little bit, and I was like, oh, Lord. It doesn't even look like the ball could have gotten out of Andy's arms. The guy was on him like a glove. He contested well. It was that moment on a roller coaster before the largest hill. It's just Andy got off a great shot. A great shot. He went straight for the win. I was sitting slash standing, whatever, right next to Coach Lucas. I remember Coach Lucas saying, damn it, no, Andy, up. And then, you know, it went in. <laughs> you know, when he took it, hey, we, we was like, no, no, yes, yes. I do remember that vividly. When he came down and he didn't pass it and he pulled the shot, it just it seemed like it took two minutes for that ball to go in. Flash. Holy moly. Everybody was screaming. <laughs> Everybody rushed out to just touch him. We just had to touch him. You know, like, give me just a little bit of Andy, the man of the moment. I just remember running to the middle and celebrating. It was like a, a blackout. I just, I went nuts. I literally dove into a pile of guys that had jumped on each other and with my clipboard still in my hand and my pencil in the other hand. People watching the game, either as fans or those there in a professional capacity, had their own stress as the seconds wound down. For East Chapel Hill's Becky Wassel, the soccer goalie you heard from in episode eight, the challenge started with getting from Franklin Street to the Smith Center. I had been working part-time at Banky's restaurant and 
I was able to get off early enough to head down to the stadium and catch the tail end of the game. And as a parent and as a fan, I was, you know, initially panicked with that thought as to, my God, who's it going to be? Will he go to Chris? Will he go to uh, one of the guards, you know, to Brad or Paul? Or will he try and work it into to Brian? But what, uh, what crystallized for me was the realization, whoever gets it will make the shot. Every one of those guys on the team has the capability. As a quarterback, maybe you're, you're kind of looking off the defense before you throw the ball somewhere else. He looked, but it doesn't look like he, he had any intention to pass the ball. And I don't think they got the shot they wanted, but they got the shot that they really wanted. They didn't know they wanted that one, but they got that one. People are going to be like, there's no way that was a real story. From where I was sitting, I was kind of in a corner area of the court, but on that side that Andy made that shot. I remember my lead, there were some kids behind me. I think Andy Jones was playing defense, and one of the kids kept saying, uh, take their candy, Andy, you know, get them to steal the ball. So I think my lead was um, Andy took their candy, and then, you know, I went into the, the shot, I guess. I just remember it was total madness when Andy hit that shot. Of course, you think if it bounces off the rim, we've got one result. If it goes in, we've got another result, and it went in. That is one of the most memorable finishes for that reason. It's an amazing atmosphere to see really all of Chapel Hill to come that, that care about basketball for it to go down to the wire and uh, Andy Jones hit the three-point shot to, you know, bring home the championship to East Chapel High. So it was a, it was a really amazing game. Finally, the players on the court and the coaches. This is what they've worked their whole seasons for. 86 teams in Class 3A were competing for the state title that year. Hickory was expected to challenge for the championship. East Chapel Hill, well, the Wildcats were not on anyone's radar. Nobody gave them a chance. Yet with eight seconds left and trailing 59-57, here they were in the huddle with Coach Hartsfield. East Chapel Hill had its opening. I remember the play getting drawn up, and um, my role was to be, a, be an outlet slash get the rebound. They can go ahead with a two-pointer, with a three-pointer, rather, or tie it up with a two. So I remember him tossing it into Chris without much difficulty and getting the ball back right away. As the video shows, there was no good option available. They were just playing straight man-to-man. And I'm kind of coming across half court, probably two, three steps behind Andy. Willis had picked him up at half court, and Willis was kind of sliding along with him. You know, my job was to, you know, try to get a tip in or fly in. I remember running to the basket. Expecting a shot to go up and basically looking for whatever rebounding position I could get to try to tip the ball in. Andy made the right decision and was able to get the shot off and make a miracle happen. He was tight with him. Such close quarters for him to even get the ball out of his hands. But sure enough, did pull up without hesitation. And at that point, I'm just diving in from the top of the key. And, and I just remember all net. I remember the ball going through, and it seemed like an eternity. And then all of a sudden, it's like, wait, the game's over. The pause of life there. 
you know, oh my gosh, what just happened? Next thing you know, we're piling up on each other. It was just a great high school basketball game. Teams were well matched. There was no lopsided advantage either way. So it was just kid knocked down the shot. There's nothing you can do. It probably couldn't happen to a better person, man. He just—he was so humble about it, and you know, it, it was a fantastic shot. He, you know, he was a leader of the team. You know, he's still humble about it, but that—that's truly a uh, remarkable feat. You really want to think about doing another career. <laughs> I mean, what do you got to do to win one? Like <laughs> we were right there, uh, but they—they they got us at the buzzer. Daniel played his heart out. I really felt like I let him down. I wish I could have made one or two more baskets. I wish I could have, you know, played a little bit harder, you know, but woulda, coulda, shoulda, you know, it didn't happen. That's, that's just life. That's where it's at. So call timeout, uh, full court, East Chapel Hill ball. They kind of run some fake motion right there in front, and Chris Hobbs comes back, catches the ball, flips it back to the inbounder, and I'm guarding And he just dribbles down on the left wing, probably about 25 feet, and I'm right there right in his face. And he shoots it. it. It's one of those weird things where it's, uh, I remember obviously coming up and like looking around and not seeing anybody to get the ball to. I'm like, all right, I got to put it up. I remember watching it kind of as it's going. And it just seemed like time was almost slowed down, right? Like I feel like I looked at the clock and I could almost see like the tenths of the seconds going down. And Coach Hartsville said, if I had not contested that shot, that he probably would have been flat, but it had such good arc on it that, I mean, it went straight through the net. And I looked at the clock and I could see it kind of like ticking still. I just remember kind of halfway celebrating, like what just happened, right? Like I put my arms up and I'm like jumping up and down a little bit, kind of backpedaling, but the whole time I'm like, is this real? Did this, you know, did that ball just go in? And, you know, is this game now over? The headline that we read, the, the storybook ending, I mean, really, you know, it was to be down two in the last game you can play and to come down in eight seconds and hit a hit a three pointer to win the state championship. Win the state champion. Win the state champion. Back in Chapel Hill, Dave, along with Juju, let's set the stage. Hickory leads 59 57, a two point lead. There are eight seconds short on the clock. The Wildcats of East Chapel Hill have the ball in the backcourt. They can go ahead with a two-pointer, with a three-pointer, rather, or tie it up with a two. Six seconds, five, across the timeline. Jones pulls up with a three-point shot. It's good! It's good! It's over! It's over! The Wildcats have won! What a ball club! Andy Jones calmly, deliberately, went down the clock showed two seconds the shot went up and there was absolutely nothing but strings and east chapel hill has won the boys 3-8 championship game 60-59 here in the dean dome tonight in chapel hill and the hickory players say they don't know what to do they're stunned what an ending wow this is the end, but it's not really the end. This episode takes you through 9.39 p.m. on March 22nd, 1997. I know that because of that timeline story I wrote. But that was the moment. 
that Andy Jones hit the shot that gave East Chapel Hill the state championship. It's the reason that 123 Wildcats exists. But there is one more episode of the show. It's our bonus episode. It's going to be titled Encore. And it's what happened to the Wildcats after the state championship. We'll talk to you next week. On the- one, two, three, Wildcats! I was knocked down, heard the countdown through the haze in the face of defeat, yeah. I was ruled out with no bailout on my own, all alone, left to bleed out. But I rose up from the ground, just like I was spellbound, all the odds were against me. So I picked up the page, and now So I've been told that I should fold and give in